0: Hello everyone! Welcome back to Podcast Royal. It is our first episode post Christmas. Here's
1: hoping that all of you had a wonderful holiday. How was your Christmas, Jessica? Hey, it was wonderful. Um, it was so nice to see family. I I saw some family that I had not seen in several months, and it was great to be home and. Um, you know, we took it slow. I was there for several days. It was a nice, long, long weekend. In Georgia, Uh, right? Yes. In Georgia. So, I mean, I just loved it. I, you know, we talked on our last podcast about indulging in all of the favorite Christmas foods. And, um, I definitely did that and, and just enjoyed some of those, some of those traditions that we do every year. So it was great. What about you? We had a great holiday. I did see
0: my mom. She came over on Christmas Eve and stayed until Sunday the 27th, and I know you got a royal inspired gift. So did I. My mom got me Dr. Bronner's lavender uh, bar soap and hand soap. So now I smell like Megan, which is great. That is incredible stuff.
1: Yes, I have seen that. Um, and then, yeah, my royal gift was the um, HRH um, book that Elizabeth Holmes wrote. So I was the really- one excited. I keep meaning
0: to bring you if I ever see you in person again, which I haven't. <laughs> have you had the chance to read it yet? Do you
1: like it? I So I read the first few pages and that's all I've had time to read so far, but um, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's, the photos
0: in there are stunning and I can't wait to hear in future episodes what you think of it. It's, it's definitely a must for any royal love, lover, and I, I'm glad to hear you had a good Christmas. Uh, everyone's safe, everyone's healthy. Yep,
1: yep. Now,
0: and now you're back here in Birmingham. I never left Birmingham, so we are all getting back to the routine. Are you working this
1: week? So I am working this week, um, you know, of course, still working from home. Um, yeah. It's it's a little bit of a quieter week, which is nice because I have a little bit of time to focus and get things ready for the new year. So um, I am working. What which about you? Is
0: so quickly upon us. Yes, I'm working this week. We are off on Friday, which is New Year's day. We are recording this for you listeners on December 29th. It is December 29th, right? Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is normally, we normally re, we record on a Sunday or a Monday. So it's a little bit later than we normally record, but uh, we were just getting back into the swing of things after Christmas. And as promised, we are going to deliver today our top 10 most memorable royal moments of 2020. 2020 is a year for many of us that we would like to forget, but it'll be hard to forget these moments that happened to the family this year. So We are going to forego the Royal Rundown today in favor of our segment. Jessica and I are each going to present to you our top 10 moments, which we have not shared with one another. So forewarning, there is likely to be some overlap, and we talked through it before we started recording and decided that if we do overlap, which I'm just telling you we will, then we're just going to tack our whatever number that is for us onto the other person's number so yeah I'm sure it will make sense as we go along so you ready to kick this off top 10 royal moments of 2020. I'm excited I am too you know 2020 was obviously no one's favorite year it will definitely not go down in the books as anyone's best year of their life likely most likely but <laughs> there were some good moments that came out of it for me personally and for the family. And so some of these moments are gonna be not great. Some of them are going to be really great and really happy. So without further ado, let's kick it off. So I will start with my number 10. So we're going to count down from um, not the least, memorable moment but the least of the 10 down to our number one which is our most memorable moment so I have a feeling I have a hunch Jessica that this is going to end up on your top 10 somewhere maybe but this is my number 10 so my number 10 is the royal train tour and most especially that family reunion moment at Windsor is that on your top 10
1: yes it is okay where did that land for you so that landed for me. Let's, let me count down on my list here. That was number six for me. Okay.
0: So I chose this moment because it just seemed so old school and so vintage to me to get on the Royal train. And um, I thought Kate's fashion was impeccable. She always has the best coats. And it, and I know that this got a lot of flack from British politicians and the British people, but you have to remember that th- this is their jobs and COVID has rendered them really unable to do the work that they want to do. They've done their best on Zoom, but I think that they handled it in, a, in. It, it, obviously there was controversy after, Mm -hmm. the train tour, but I think they handled the train tour in the safest way that they could. I think that the intent behind the train tour was really good. And that was to recognize those who have done so much during the pandemic. And I loved that family reunion moment at Windsor, that photo with all the couples socially distanced. And I just thought it was a creative way to reach the public. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when we put these items on our list, it's important to think about, um, you know, these are things that have, we have felt were big, uh, big moments for the Royal family. And that could mean a lot of different things. It could be a big good moment. It could be a big um, negative moment, but for whatever reason it it was impactful. And, um, you know, I noted when I, when I put this on my list that, it sparked a lot of interest, both from critics and supporters, um, and, and so I think you know, to your point, um, that was one of the reasons that it made the list. Was we saw a little bit of pushback from leaders in Wales and Scotland. Um, you know, but we also saw a lot of support from the public as they made their way through these small towns and they recognized key workers and brought awareness to the efforts of so many people who were working so hard to keep businesses and charities functioning during this time. Um, And I think it was a really, it was a really big thing for Kate, you mentioned her fashion. I mean, I think this was her first time on the Royal train, which was also a big moment for her. And I think overall, this was the right thing for the Royal family to do. Like you said, they were working. um, And, and, you know, it's sort of a damned if you're do, damned if you don't kind of, Um, you know, they needed to get out there and and people were looking to hear from them. and, And I think they did the right thing.
0: Yeah, they're going to be criticized whatever they do and i haven't heard i mean i pray that, that this isn't the case but i haven't heard of any you know outbreaks from the events that they posted or that they went to and i did read that when they were on the tour they intentionally did not share their itinerary so that large crowds would not gather it was just people that would be at those locations anyway Mm -hmm. and so I think they did the best they could with obviously dire circumstances but this, this is this is their job and they want to be out amongst the people of the UK and I do like that they didn't just stick to England they they went all around the United Kingdom because sometimes we forget that these this royal family is not just the royal family of England and they are they're you know, a Duke and Duchess of of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, which is, you know, obviously they can't go to the common, across the Commonwealth right now, but they did, I truly think they did the best they could with the circumstances that they were given. So that is my number 10. What is your number 10?
1: So mine was sort of a combination of of two moments, I guess. Um, Number 10 for me was royal baby announcements and divorce announcements. So we had some good news and some sad news on royal relationships this year. Um, on the sad front, we we learned that Peter and Autumn Phillips announced that they were separating. Um, so Peter is Princess Anne's son and and the grandson of Queen Elizabeth, and and he and his wife Autumn have two daughters. Um, you know, we heard that they plan to continue living near each other to co-parent, um, but some sad news and impactful for the family, for sure. And the first and-
0: divorce amongst the queen's great-grandchildren, obviously we know, or of grandchildren, excuse me. Um, obviously we know that the queen's children have had their fair share of divorces with three of her four children having been divorced, but this is the first divorce of her grandchildren hopefully the last but um it is sad and you know of course we wish the phillips family well i'm a child of divorce and no child ever wants to go through that at any age and the phillips kids are relatively young i think they're under the age of 10 so um our best wishes to them
1: yeah and not it
0: make is- my list so I- that is that is a unique to you list, but yes, that was, that was in right before the pandemic, January, February, like early, early 2020.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, it's important to note a lot of people, if you don't follow the royal family closely, you may not be familiar with Peter and Autumn, but they are very direct close relatives to Queen Elizabeth. So, yeah. um, you know, they're very, they're very closely related to the rest of the royal family. And then, I do um, want to say this, but I feel like it
0: must be said. I do not want this man to get a divorce, but he is by far the best looking grandson (laughs) of the queen. If you all think William and Harry are handsome, which they definitely are, Peter Phillips is the most handsome member of the British royal family. I said it. It had to be said, but that doesn't mean I'm glad he's getting a divorce, but you know, I should maybe drop my number in the show notes. <laughs> Are you going to be moving to England now? Uh, you know, I would not turn that down if, if, uh, if Peter called me, <laughs> no, but uh, in all seriousness, I mean, we obviously wish them well
1: and, um, just hope that, you know, it's the right move for all involved. And then on that same note in my number 10 was of course the announcements of um princess eugenie and and zara are both expecting babies so that was my baby. number nine and the, okay. well you know this will be eugenie's first child it's the third for zara um they are they i believe they are first cousins and both granddaughters yes. of elizabeth so um really exciting news baby boom 2021 yes so that was my number nine okay. so do you want to share your number nine well, my number nine was um, Queen Elizabeth's Christmas Day speech, which we were just talking about right before we started recording. Yes. And that is my number eight. So that's a perfect lead in. Tell me eight. what you liked. So I tuned in and watched this on Christmas Day. And I have to say I was um, expecting something good. But I, I mean, this really brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. It's, it's very touching. Um. You know after a year of so many challenges i think the public was really eagerly awaiting this message from the queen um and it was just such a great message of hope and encouragement um, both to people in britain and abroad I, I mean i think it was touching to a lot of people um and i think it was really the perfect way to kind of close out 2020 and, and i thought it was so special how they showed clips throughout the year of the work that the family had been doing and there yeah. was a musical element to it um and i wanted to note um queen elizabeth said every year we herald the coming of christmas by turning on the lights and light does more than create a festive mood light brings hope so i just really enjoyed um the message and um wondering what you thought about it rachel yeah,
0: I mean, that's my number eight. So this is a perfect segue into my next one. So what I did was I combined the Queen's two biggest speeches of the year for my number eight, which is her speech at the beginning of the pandemic. And then, of course, her Christmas speech that was last Friday. So mom and I watched, I've said this a 100 times on the podcast, my mom is an Anglophile, loves the royal family, introduced me to it from birth. And so we have a new tradition now, a new Christmas tradition, which I can't believe we've never done this before. And I'm 34 years old, but of getting donuts and sitting and watching the queen's speech. And yeah, it was a really good new tradition because a lot of our old traditions obviously went by the wayside this year. And so this was a great new one to introduce. So she speaks at... 3pm UK time, which we are six hours behind them in central time in the US. So it was 9am here. And so we watched it. And so I'm going to get to the Christmas speech, but I want to talk first about the speech she gave in April at the beginning of the pandemic. So the Queen is the head of state and has the job as a part of that role of lifting the spirits of the nation. And I think that both of these speeches did just that. If you'll remember back in April and for our listeners, it would be a great idea to go back and watch the speech from April and the Christmas speech, if you didn't see it on Friday in the, I think the one from April is about four or five minutes. And the one from Christmas is about seven minutes. And in the one from April, the famous line was we will meet again. And back in April when the pandemic was beginning and I was not used to the new way of life, I got so emotional because there's so many people that I want to meet again with. And she looked beautiful in that video wearing that green dress. And then um, a couple of notes about the Christmas speech She, uh, there were, there was a lot of symbolism there. So first of all, what she said, of course, was beautiful. Uh, The, the graphics that she showed, she, I don't know if you caught this, Jessica, but she very subtly, not so subtly paid huge tribute to Kate and Kate's work this year with the Hold Still photo campaign. A lot of the photos that were playing throughout the video were from the Hold Still campaign, which I think is her way of saying great job, Kate, I'm proud of you with, cause the queen isn't really someone that says great job, Kate. I'm proud, I mean, maybe privately, but um, so, and of course the the musical bits and just everything about the Christmas speech was perfect. We watched it, I think two or three times throughout the day. And so a little bit of symbolism for you. So the queen was wearing purple, which of course is a color that represents royalty If you notice she had on a shell-shaped brooch and that is from her mother. So she had her mom with her. Mm -hmm. She had on a triple set of pearls, which was a gift from her father. So her father was there with her. After last year's huge photo controversy when there was no photo of Archie or of Harry and Meghan on her desk, there was only one photo this year and that was of Philip. And so she had her parents there with her. She had her husband there with her and she had her life's work of being a queen represented. And also she talked a lot about her faith, which is something that we've always known that the queen had a strong faith life, but it's not something, it's very private to her. It's very meaningful to her and very private. And it's not something that she speaks of often but she she definitely did so she had her her husband her parents her faith and her work all represented even though not none of them except for the faith component were expressly said so so i i didn't know if you caught any of, of that but everything had meaning
1: this year that's so special. And, and I did notice the the photo of Philip, as I'm sure most people did. I was looking out for that. Um, but I love the symbolism there.
0: Yeah. And her faith is more evident than ever. I think, you know, for me and for a lot of people in 2020, our faith has um, been tested, but also it has been strengthened. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the case for the queen as well. And so, um, It was a beautiful speech. Again, listeners, if you haven't taken the time to listen to both of those speeches, please go on YouTube and do that as soon as possible. It was a great speech. She knew what she had to do. She had a big responsibility to nail this and she nailed it. So that is my
1: number eight. Love it. So the next one on my list is um, the Hold Still Project, which you actually just referenced yeah. uh, when you were talking about the speech. So this year, the Duchess of Cambridge um, you know, led this Hold still project, which provided the world with a collection of images that portrayed UK residents um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So people were encouraged to submit photos for this project. And I believe they had more than 30,000 entries. Yeah, um, it was a big success. Kate, of course, unveiled the winners uh, of the project. I think it was in November. And um, I think there were, was it a hundred winners of this project? I think, Mm -hmm. and it created this sort of capsule of images to kind of represent um, this story told in pictures. Um, I just thought it was a really touching project. And it showed how deeply people were affected by COVID-19. And I, I actually did um, remember uh, when you were mentioning this in your speech, um, or in your, in your part on the Queen's speech, um, Her Majesty even shared, you know, with the public, how she was inspired um, by the Duchess of Cambridge and, and her work, um, and I have a quote from her. She said, the Duchess of Cambridge and I were inspired to see how the photographs have captured the resilience of the British people at such a challenging time, whether that is through celebrating frontline workers, recognizing community spirit, or showing the efforts of individuals supporting those in need. So um, I just love that. And I thought it was a great moment for uh, for the duchess, of course, but but for the whole royal family. And um, I thought it really shone a great light on, um, on the work that they're doing and the work that everybody throughout the country has been doing.
0: Absolutely. And I promise you, listeners, that Jessica and I did not coordinate this. I'm learning of her list right now along with you. But that is a perfect segue into my number seven, which is just in general, my number seven most memorable moment is Kate's work this year, Um, Mm. specifically Hold Still, which Jessica just beautifully explained, and the five big questions, early years work, um, everything from that to the royal tour to Ireland that she undertook with William right before the pandemic in early March, and if we will remember, it was actually Kate, who I believe was one of the first members of the royal family to appear on a podcast she appeared yeah. on happy mom happy baby earlier this year I feel that 2020 has seen Kate really step into her own the projects that she undertakes feel like her for example the hold still campaign of course we all know if we follow Kate that she is a keen photographer and she's quite talented most of the photos that it we see for birthday portraits of George and Charlotte and Louis are taken by Kate, mm-hmm. and their first day of school photos. And so, so the Hold Still campaign was a great idea, but and it's a great name too. But it also is very much just a Kate project. And so when Harry and when Harry and Megan stepped down, and I know we'll discuss this later because I know that that's going to be at the top of both of our lists, I'm sure. Um, when they, when they left their senior roles, it shifted even more of the weight to William and Kate, as if there wasn't enough because they're the heir to the throne. But Kate has stepped up in a way that I think it's taken her 10 years, because they're, if you'll believe it, their 10 year wedding anniversary is in April, 10 years to become this woman. And she is 39 years old on January 9th and she is fully formed. She is stepping into her work and she is just shining. And it's so great to see, she's always been great. I mean, you know, I don't think Kate has actually really ever had a misstep even when she was Prince William's girlfriend for so long. Um, But really I feel like she's taken off in orbit this year and the work she's doing is comparable with any other Royal from the queen on down to Charles and Camilla on down to William. She is, she is, has really stepped up this year. So that is my number seven.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, Kate has always done a great job, but I think this year more than ever, we've really, really seen her in her role as the Duchess of Cambridge um, and, and some of the Tangible work that she's doing has really been highlighted this year, more than ever Um, and and it's been really fun to watch Um, and i'll go ahead and and just follow up on. Your um, your top moment there I I included kate's five big questions survey, I think that was my number five on my list. Um, So. If you're not familiar with the survey, um, earlier this year, she released a survey asking participants to answer questions to help determine areas of focus on childhood development, specifically under the age of five, um, and and how those experiences in our lives impact us as adults. Um, So the project really focused on this realization that adults who struggle with things like addiction or homelessness or, or mental health issues, um, often experience circumstances in their early childhood years that maybe contributed to these um, these issues. And so this uh, purpose of the survey and this project is to really start to uncover how we can prevent or lessen the probability of these struggles. And I think this is um, such a huge project and will have so much meaningful impact on real people. This is one of those things that I feel like when someone says it in, in that way, um, the way that the project sort of formed, it's like, oh, that makes so much sense, you know, but um, it isn't always highlighted or, or something that people are really necessarily aware of um, that, that those early childhood experiences really can shape our adult life. Um, so she unveiled these survey results in November and she has plans to continue this project in the years to come and I'll be excited to see where that goes. Um, but I just love the personal ways that she seemed to connect and collaborate with the public during the survey, and I just think it was a big moment for her, um, and it's definitely something promising to look forward to. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and and once again, it just feels like Kate, because this is the moment in her motherhood journey that she's in right now. She's working with um, young children, and so of course it matters to her, you know, it's very personal to her, and so that's what I love is that everything Kate's doing feels so authentic because you can, and and you can feel her passion for, for everything, because this is, you know, work that she really cares about. And I think that that really comes across. So Bravo, Kate, you've always been a star, but I mean, you are, you are doing great work for the family. So um, that is, so that was your number seven, right? That, well, I
1: jumped down. That was my number five. But Okay, I what's of, your number seven? Um, So my number seven is Charles and William Battle and Overcome. I characters. promise you we did not plan this, but that is my number six. Like literally you're like, wow.
0: feeding, you're feeding right into mine and I'm feeding right into yours. We're great minds think alike, I guess. That's my number six. So perfect segue. I mean,
1: because, yeah, Rachel and I did not, we actually, right before we started recording, we said, should we share this with each other and talk through it first? So, you know, this isn't redundant, but I think we decided not to. And I think they're like falling right into line. I know, it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so why why is that your number seven? Well, you know, I thought this was a obviously a big deal because, you know, in the early part of the pandemic. Prince Charles announced that he had coronavirus, um, and I think that was a big dose of reality for the public, and a realization that you know even the future king of England could be impacted by this illness. Um, you know, this is you know a, a world leader that that people look to for guidance, and and I think people were frightened by that thought. Um, Thankfully, he, he did well and, and he overcame it. But then, you know, later in the year, it was announced that Prince William had also suffered from the virus. And there was a lot of controversy there, you know, a lot of questions about the timing of his illness and why he didn't come forward earlier on, um, you know, and, and we don't really know. I mean, it could have been to keep the public from panicking, um, knowing that both of them, you know, were ill around, you know, perhaps the same time, um, but either way, um, I think we're all relieved that they overcame this virus and are doing yeah. well, um, but it was a big, it was a big scare I'm sure for the family and I think for the public in general. And I don't think it's something that will be forgotten soon.
0: Yeah, especially Charles being in his, in his early seventies. I mean, obviously as the, as the direct heir to the throne, he's going to get the best care possible, but still he's 72 years old and you know, Boris Johnson mm-hmm. UK's prime minister, Had the virus, Um, Prince Albert of Monaco had the virus, so it it made its way around world. Of course, President Trump had the virus, and so it it made its way around world leaders. But I think you know we, I Jessica, do you remember this conversation as we were planning to launch this podcast? Jessica and I went out to brunch at Overeasy. Do you remember this? And and it was right around this is in early November, and it was right around the time that William had announced that he did in fact have the virus back in april i believe and and we said why didn't he just say that at the time and but here's here's why here's what we theorized at the time so you've got a queen a monarch that's 94 okay her number one has covid her number two has covid her uh and and the and then the number three four and five are all under the age of seven six at the time right right and so they can't they can't reign so, so now and then you have your number seven, who two months prior, three months prior, has stepped down from his role as a senior member of the royal family. And um, so, yeah, that's. And wait, am, are my numbers right? One, two, three. Okay, one, two, three, five. So Harry's number six. Archie's number seven. Archie is at the time not even a year old. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then you have. Um, Right after Archie, you have Andrew, who is, you know, obviously (laughs) everyone's favorite heir to the throne. So now we're going so deep into the uh, deep into the royal family that I kind of get it because the panic that that could have caused, right, would have been a PR nightmare. And, you know, I am, again, positive that Charles and William had the best medical care possible. And so they were quite confident that they were going to overcome it, although it does seem that William had a scary moment where he was having real trouble breathing. Thankfully Mm -hmm. Kate nor the kids contracted it. But I mean, I kind of get why they didn't come out with it at the time because, you know, that's, that's, that's not, that's a little unnerving. So I mean, when you're, when you're looking at number nine or number eight to the throne as like, well, we better look at Andrew now, which obviously Andrew is off the table, you know, then we're looking at Edward, <laughs> like we've gone all the way down to Edward. So um, yeah, I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that probably is why they didn't share the news at the time. I think it was so, you know, the public didn't panic and, and start a bunch of rumors speculating on, you know, what was going to happen. And I think it's a little bit easier to come back later and say, you know, he had the virus, but he is well now. He has overcome this. You don't need to be afraid. Um, so I totally understand why they did that. Yeah. So that was my number six. What is your number six? So mine was the royal train tour that we did. Oh, yes. About.
0: Okay. 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 So your number. So, okay. You want to go, I guess, my number five now? Okay. So I bet that this is going to be pretty close to this for you as well. But my number five was Beatrice's wedding. We have to, If anytime there's a royal wedding, we have to include that on the list where did that land for you I'm sure it's there somewhere so that landed for me as number three okay it so I did this list over Christmas uh when my mom was here and I read it to her and mom please don't kill me for saying this but she said look you've just got like the sh- the York sisters are compelling but they're not that compelling because the because Beatrice's wedding was my number I think it was my number two and then I kind of did some you know, reconfiguration, but you can't, you can't not include a royal wedding whenever there is one, even though this one was a little different because we didn't see it. It wasn't televised. It wasn't, uh, obviously it was attended by about 20 people. So I have a few factoids. We've never talked about the wedding on the podcast because it happened in July, but um, most of the wedding centered around Beatrice's grandmother, the queen. Mm -hmm. Beatrice wore a dress loaned to her from her majesty it was not her majesty's wedding dress but it was one that she wore to a couple of events in the 1960s however both the queen and Beatrice's wedding dresses were both designed by Norman Hartnell or Hartnell I'm not sure if I'm saying that right and Beatrice wore the same tiara that the queen wore on her own wedding day in 1947 and the date of B and Edo's nuptials was chosen to accommodate the queen's schedule and the queen and Philip were two of less than 20 guests that made the cut so I read that this is so sweet that the queen saved her own wedding tiara especially for Beatrice and only Beatrice in this generation of royal weddings as the two are remarkably close which I find so sweet because obviously there have been a handful of royal weddings. I think Beatrice is the sixth of the queen's eight grandchildren to get married, but this this tiara was saved for her specifically. So this is the first time that a royal has become a stepmother upon her first marriage, and Beatrice apparently always wanted a low-key wedding, so this is perfect for her, and sources Said that the wedding was private, intimate, and romantic. So, we did have a royal wedding this year. It wasn't maybe our normal, quote unquote,
1: royal wedding, but what did you think of it all? Yeah, a lot of uh, what you said was along the same lines of what I thought about this wedding. And I just thought it was such a touching. Special moment for Beatrice and the Queen. Um, It was a really great picture of their relationship and how close they are. I mean, she wore her grandmother's gown from the 1960s, she wore the tiara that she wore to her wedding. Um, And it was just, I don't know, it was just very thoughtful the way everything kind of came together. And I think it was a good example of how the royals have had to adjust their lives and plans, like the rest of us. Um, it certainly wasn't a typical royal wedding with hundreds of guests, you know. But um, and, and we even saw in photos that it was very socially distant. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen the one where Beatrice and and Edo are standing together, and Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are several feet away um, posing for for a photo. And it's just kind of a reminder of how everyone has had to adjust this year, but that doesn't mean that we can't have those special moments with our family and, and make it a good memorable um, memorable year in a lot of ways. So um, I, you know, this made my list because I thought it was a little moment of happiness during such a tough year and, and a reminder to everyone not to put your life on hold.
0: Absolutely. And, and Beatrice did delay her wedding by about six weeks, six to seven weeks, but She still had it over the summer and her flowers were absolutely beautiful. The wedding had a secret garden theme. And let me tell you the way that Edo looked at Beatrice in this is how every groom should look at their bride. And we only got about four or five photos, but what we did have was absolutely stunning. So congratulations. They did look quite like a fairy tale. It was a fairy. The flowers were what they maybe lacked in guests. They made up for in flowers. It was absolutely stunning. And so that was a bright spot in a pretty rough year. So congratulations to them. What is your number five?
1: So my number five was the um, five big questions survey that we okay. talked about. So um, do you want me to share my number four? Go for it. Number four is the announcement of the Platinum Jubilee in 2022. This did not make the list for me, so this is all you, girlfriend. (laughs) So, yeah, this made the list for me because I thought it was so exciting um, when this was announced. You know, in November, the palace said that they were planning to celebrate Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee in 2022. Um, with what I expect will be quite the party. Um, This will honor 70 years that she served as queen, Um, and it's more confirmation that she plans to continue to serve in her official role as long as possible. Um, You know, she is holding true to her belief that her duty is a lifelong commitment, Um, and as part of the celebration, Britain will have two bank holidays in June, Thursday the 2nd, and Friday the 3rd, I think, which will make um, a long four day weekend for everyone to enjoy and this will be the first time a British monarch has reached a platinum jubilee so it's a really big deal um, super exciting and Rachel and I have already said that we will we'll be there. We're going to plan to to visit England um, for this party so. We're going
0: to be there I can't um, I can't believe I left that off that is that is a great number four and we will be there uh, with our Union Jack. on and that's that's crazy I mean she's she's already the longest serving monarch but a platinum jubilee we won't see that again you know because obviously Charles is 72 years old that's not going to happen um you know and William is already in his uh late 30s and so I mean the queen began her reign at age 25 so I don't think that we're going to see that anytime ever again so we have to soak up every one of these moments because it just isn't going to happen again. So, um, well, that is a great number four. My number four is Megan's New York Times op-ed, which we've talked about pretty in depth on the podcast because it just happened the day be- it was released the day before Thanksgiving. Of course, it covered her pregnancy loss and, um, and how devastating that was. And I think any effort to normalize that conversation, because it does happen so frequently, unfortunately, is a good thing. And I think Megan was extremely brave and courageous for sharing that and being so vulnerable. So, and, and definitely something that I, I've we've talked about this on the podcast, but I wonder if she would have been able to do that had she still been a member of the, a senior member of the Royal family as she was this time last year. So kudos to you, Megan, for your courage and bravery and vulnerability. And that is my number four.
1: Yeah, that did not make my list, but I did certainly consider that one and, and remember us talking about that a few episodes ago. So um yeah, that that's a good one. Not the happiest of memorable
0: no. moments, but that was never a prerequisite for this list, obviously. So right. it, um, it definitely
1: qualifies as, as a, a big impactful moment for sure. Yeah. So what's your number three? Did we already go over your number three? So, yeah, my number three was Beatrice's wedding. Um, so I'll go ahead and move on to my number two, okay, which was the season four debut of The Crown. I didn't put that on my list so. So yeah I mean you know it might not seem like a Netflix show about the royals should be included on a list of biggest moments for this year but um, you know season four was really like no other season that we've seen in this show and I I think Netflix really portrayed Prince Charles and Um, possibly the worst light that they could have. Um, And it sparked a lot of hate and backlash from younger generations um, and those who maybe didn't follow the story when it was occurring in the 80s and 90s. you know, some people claim there's truth to this Netflix series. While a lot of people say it's very exaggerated or or even incorrect um, in a lot of ways. Um, but the fact is, you know, true or false, it's resulted in a lot of people voicing their opinions and feelings about the royal family and specifically Princess Diana um, and, and Charles and Camilla over the internet. Um, we've seen a lot of hate on Instagram and, and a lot of other places and You know, we may never know the full story, but we know that um, they've endured a lot of criticism in the past, and I think especially this year, Um, like we've said in other episodes, you know, they're most likely not going to comment on it, but um, I can only imagine conversations that they may have had with each other behind the scenes and and how it's impacted them and how they felt going through all of this. So whether it's true or not, it's certainly, I think, been impactful. um, Just, you you know, for them and how to navigate their their reputation with the public.
0: Absolutely. So going back to my number three, I have a feeling that this is on your list as well. But I kind of lumped number three into the category of Harry and Megan's work. So this includes Archwell, the Netflix deal, the Spotify deal, which speaking of the Spotify deal, their Archwell Audio's first podcast episode dropped today, December 29th, the day that we are recording. It is a holiday special with tons of luminaries talking about hope and um, hope for 2021 and Resilience Through 2020, and there was a very, very special little guest at the end. This is going to be a spoiler if you have not listened to it, so spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Archie is <laughs> at the end, and it's the first time we've ever heard his voice, and he's so cute, and he says, uh, Happy New Year, it, uh, coached by his dad, Harry, and so what did you think of episode one of r Audio?
1: So do you want my honest, unfiltered opinion? Well, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> um, so I, I got in this morning, I got on Spotify and I was actually going to listen to some music and Um, the R12 little podcast thing popped up and I I clicked it. um, And then I realized that this episode had dropped. So I thought, well, I'll just listen to that instead of music. Um, And I have to say, I'm not really overly impressed or or blown away by it. Um, It was a lot of um, celebrity voices um, Mm -hmm. and it was very political, which I sort of... Uh, mentioned in our last, I think our last episode that I expected that they would take that direction, um, which I think you have to kind of be careful when you're focusing on, you know, charity work and, you know, what your focus is going to be there. So um, I don't think there was any, um, you know, any debate on on the political aspect of that. I mean, that was definitely present and it kind of just left me wondering really you know what the point of this R12 audio is and kind of where they're going with the R12 foundation i mean i know they said they're going to focus on issues that are important to them but what does that really mean and i kind of just felt frustrated when i went to the website it's like extremely vague and yeah, it is very I vague i just wish they would say it already you know like put it out there and tell us what Um, what you're going to do with this and and what the meaning of this is um, rather than these like little snippets here and there when we're not expecting it and you know it's I don't know it's like I don't know if they're like playing games with the media and trying to keep people you know interested and looking for more kind of what their tactic is there Um, but I really wish that they would just open up more and talk more about you know which which areas they're going to focus on and, and what they're going to do and what, what the big purpose is with the art12 Foundation because I still don't feel like I have a lot of clarity on that.
0: Yeah, and, and I wonder if they know, <laughs> you know, like I, I think that it's a lot of it is very intentionally vague because the, the premise of the podcast is to tell, I read it last week, to tell stories of mm-hmm. people and like, okay, well, that's extremely vague. And, you know, I think I... I hope that forthcoming Archival audio episodes are not this busy. It felt very busy. There were a lot of voices on there. Were the voices great? Absolutely. I mean, you throw in Brene Brown, and I'm hook, line, and sinker. Love her. But it was a lot for a 33 minute episode. And so I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I, I honestly wanted to hear more, Harry and Megan to be honest with you, but I don't know if they're going to really make it about themselves at all because they try so hard to, you know, shield their private lives. Right. But, um, I hope going forward that we just, if we have a guest, it's like one guest and, you know, my favorite podcasts are interview podcasts with, you know, one, maybe two guests, like two guests that are a team and, So I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot to pack into. And I know that I doubt that that will be the format going forward because, you know, that this was a holiday special, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I also have been like refreshing my Spotify feed for like a week (laughs) because I thought it was going to, I was sure it was going to come out on Christmas Eve, but actually I thought it was kind of thoughtful because I think that Harry and Megan know that anything that they do any any work that they do is going to be covered and I think that actually it was quite thoughtful that they released it on the 29th which is a nondescript day right I mean it's if they released it on Christmas Eve then you know that would have meant that a lot of people that would have been off for the holiday would have had to have worked and mm-hmm. so you know coming from a writer's perspective I appreciated the the timing so um, I don't know I mean we'll we'll leave it to episode one, the real episode one to be the judge. But podcasting is not, it's, it's so fun, but it's, you know, as we both know, it's not always super easy. It's a lot of work and um, we'll
1: see where they take it, but it's out there. So they're, they're doing it. Yeah, definitely. And, and I do think that's a good point you made that it was a holiday special. Um, So I guess my hope is that if they are wanting to tell stories that they will Um, going forward, maybe highlight some voices that aren't big celebrities. Um, Yeah, I I have a feeling that will happen. I I have a feeling. So my
0: number two to get caught up with you is the, actually, my top three are all about Harry and Meghan. Um, My number two is the Samir Hussein photo of Harry and Meghan at the Endeavor Awards in London on March 5th, the one where she's wearing the blue Victoria Beckham dress they're in the rain and they look at each other for that half second and they smile at each other in the rain with the umbrella and the backlight. And that photo is going to go down as one of the most iconic royal photos of all time up there with Diana at the Taj Mahal and Diana sitting on the diving board in the swimsuit the last summer of her life. Um, It's going to absolutely be one of the most iconic photos of all time of the Royal family. And so that is my number two. I just think it's so beautiful. There's so much uh, subliminal messaging there. There's so, so much depth to that photo. And I actually had the honor of interviewing Mr. Hussein in late November, and he is so kind and just absolutely lovely, and so that is my number two.
1: Yeah, I loved that photo. That was a great, great picture. I actually just stumbled upon it again recently um, when I was looking at something online, and I didn't know that you had interviewed him, so that's really cool. I did, and he he told me the whole story and just how the conditions
0: were so abysmal for a good photo, right, because it's dark, It's pouring down rain, uh, but sometimes I think the message here is sometimes in the middle of a not great moment, you can get something beautiful. So that is my number two. So I have a feeling that our number ones are going to be the same because I don't know how it could be anything (laughs) other than this. So I'll just go ahead and say it. Harry and Megan, step back. (laughs) Is that your number one? It. I don't know how it could ever be (laughs) anything else. So I was, um, so I, I used to, I, I say I used to, I, I haven't closed it down, but I had a blog that I don't really write as much for as I should anymore called the Duchess Commentary. And I had taken two weeks off from the Duchess Commentary. I used to write that blog every single day, almost. And I was, um, it happened on a Wednesday. And the next day, Thursday, I was flying out to Costa Rica. So I had already left the office. This is before I had, you know, really the means to work from home like I do now and I had taken a half day on that Wednesday and literally I was sitting in the Walgreens parking lot where I had gone to buy travel size shampoo and toothpaste and my phone started blowing up that <laughs> Harry and Megan had announced that they were stepping down as senior members of the royal family so what was your reaction when that happened
1: well um I can't say that I was like extremely surprised, but I do remember when it happened and I was, um, you know, I I was reading through as much as I could, uh, could find about it. And I guess my reaction was probably mostly, um, curiosity on what that would look like in the future and, and what that would mean. um, you know, I, I mean, initially we knew that they would step back as senior royals and and maybe split their time between the UK and North America, and we thought that they might settle down in Canada, um, you know, but I, I sort of felt that they may still have some sort of a role. Um, within the royal family and we would still kind of see them um, but then, of course, the pandemic hit which really stopped all travel, and they ultimately settled in California, and so this whole year's been on hold, so I'm still sort of like on the edge of my seat wondering um, what's going to happen in 2021 if, um, you know, the pandemic dies down and they're able to travel more and do more. I'll be curious to see what that will look like, but I do think this year has kind of uh, solidified, you know, the thought that they probably won't be actively involved um, with with their family in, in Britain going forward. So I don't know how legitimate these reports are but I'm hearing all kinds of
0: reports that Harry and Megan are asking for another one year extension on this step back. Really? So I yes. So that has just been coming out this week. So if you'll remember back in January when all this happened, they said that they would review it on a year to year basis. Well, we're coming up on a year very quickly and so I mean obviously there's no way that they can go back right now to the old way because they've got deals with Netflix and Spotify that they've got to honor. And so um, I'm hearing that they're asking for a one-year extension again, which I kind of anticipate they will do for at least the next few years. And that Harry is very adamant about coming back to the UK for his grandmother, the Queen's 95th birthday, which is in April, and Philip's 100th birthday, which is in June. So um, hopefully that will get to happen for them because, you know, they're still his grandparents. You know, I know that we see them maybe as just like the royal family and a bunch of coworkers, but at the end of the day, they are still family. And these are his grandparents and they're 195 years, well, they're 99 and 94 right now. And, you know, I mean, the Windsors live forever, it seems like, but they don't really live forever. And so um, I... Obviously, just look at the writings on the wall. The, there's no way that they could go back to, uh, they don't want to. They're living in California. They're happy. They've bought a home, um, you know, and, and they've got these deals that, you know, the Spotify deal is just starting. The Netflix deal hasn't, nothing has even come to production yet, and that I'm aware of anyway. And so I don't see their model changing anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering what this extension would, um, would really be for or, um, or how it will will be handled. Because like you said, you know, on, on one hand, I could see, you know, with this year being so strange, it seems like they would extend that. But you know, again, they're they're going to deals with Netflix and Spotify. So I'm not really sure. Um, you know, at this point, what there is I guess left to negotiate or talk about and maybe that's because I'm not you know clued into to to what's going on behind the scenes there but um I, I don't know well I think we covered the spread pretty well on 2020 any as we wrap up any predictions for what 2021 will bring you know I feel like with all the surprises of 2020 it would be irresponsible of me to try to <laughs> make a for Yeah, my- I'm not making any predictions anymore. We
0: know <laughs> we'll have three babies, Pippa, Zara's, Eugenie's, uh and that's about all I know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything else. We'll have we'll have Philip's 100th birthday God willing, the Queen's 95th God willing and uh, I hesitate to make any predictions either I made a lot of predictions for 2020 and none of them happened. And in fact, not only did none of them happen. uh, There were some serious Hello pandemic Hello step back uh, Mm -hmm. surprises that I never could have predicted. So you know what, I think we're just going to roll with it every week. (laughs) And just (laughs) just roll with the punches as
1: they come. So any final thoughts for episode five? Um, no, I mean, I think this was a fun episode. It was one that I've been looking forward to for me too now and I was excited to hear your list and I think it came together really quite nicely considering I we know. did not talk about this at all before recording. We so. really
0: did not do any pre-prep <laughs> and I am very pleased with how it all
1: came together and I, I think we covered it pretty well. I do and I think this was a great way to kind of close out 2020 and yeah. I'm so really excited for 2021. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun content to cover in the new year.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that we can predict for 2021 is the podcast Royal will be here for the duration. So we will see you at our next episode, the first week of 2021. Thank you so much as always for tuning in. Episode five is a wrap. follow us on instagram at podcast royal email us at hello podcast royal at gmail.com and please do not forget to subscribe rate and review our podcast we will see you next week and happy new year may 2021 be everything you dream it to be and more
1: happy new year happy new year bye